Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer. For years to come, try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis people who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. everyone scott hansen here from nfl red zone i hope you're checking out one hour of five yard rush one of the best podcasts on nfl football in the uk well rush nation third show of the week stocks is still uh, on leave he is still uh, sunning it up in center parks with his family uh, he did some orienteering exercise about uh, navigating your way around a course with a compass um, and came third and he was disappointed so um i mean that's not my idea of a holiday. I, I'd like a beach and a beer and some sun. But hey, you do you, buddy. You're missing you. Can't wait for you to be back uh, next week. But, you know, the great thing is football is back. We're, as we're recording this, we're about 12 hours away from kickoff. Um, promised you we'd talk about the Texans. And so who better to talk about the Texans with than our guest today? Uh, fellow writer for uh, the Touchdown writer for the Texans Wire, host of Texans Talk podcast, repping the, the Brits in the UK, been on here before, and also, as of last week, uh, Dave Damashak's boy, um, <laughs> as he mentioned on his podcast, is Anthony Wood. Anthony, how are you doing? Good, thanks. How about you? Yeah, good. So yeah, I want to get onto that first, because I was listening to Dave Damashak, and all of a sudden he says <laughs> your name on, the, on his podcast, but then... Um, handsome Hank interrupts and I never know why he mentioned you so do you know have you got any insight because that's been bugging me for about a week now uh, I'm not sure to be honest to be perfectly honest with you until about two minutes ago I didn't realize he mentioned me at all 
Yeah, uh, <laughs> but I've been speaking to both him and and uh, Henry Holston a bit, quite a bit recently. So I'm guessing that's something to do with it. But yeah, it, it must be. So um, I'm trying to remember the the context now. I'm sure if I pull up the <laughs> the notes, but he your name he dropped your name and then he he just and then. Henry was talking about something else and and then as a result uh someone that we you know just went on to a completely different point and uh and that was the end of it so if I can think <laughs> of it then I will uh I will let you know but yeah I'll have to, I'll have, to have a look at that because I had Dave on the podcast about a week or so ago and he's he's an, he's always a laugh to have on he's really funny he's he's one of the uh the more entertaining guys you could definitely speak to in the football world so uh that's probably why yeah he's someone that we've been trying to get on for a while we haven't uh we haven't quite managed to uh, find a way to reach through yet, but we uh, we will keep trying. He's someone. He uh, we're birthday twins, so. Uh, oh, there you go. If, if that's yeah, that will convince him. I'm sure. <laughs> I hope so. It was episode seven nine seven ninety nine. That's where they did the, the whole no playoffs for you. Right, I'll make sure to keep track of that. Thanks. So, yeah, jump on there. <laughs> Maybe you can tell me afterwards to speak to him and work it out. <laughs> yeah. But I've not come to talk to you about Dave Damashak, although that's a pretty good reason to talk to anybody. Um, it's because you. You're in the know in the Texans. You, you spend a lot of time following the team, writing about the team, as we talked on a, a previous show. So it's been uh, crazy, probably doesn't do it justice, but we'll stick with that for <laughs> want of a better word. Uh, a few days and weeks, in fact, just August in general. So similar to what we did yesterday, um, Rush Nation, we're going to go through the Texans, we're going to talk through the trades, talk through the roster moves, and then we're going to see how this is sort of relevant for... Uh, a fantasy perspective, try and get an outlook on who's going to start in the skill positions. Is there any competition? What do we need to be aware of? Um, and if any of these additions are going to improve some of the players that are in those skill positions, if not directly, then indirectly. So um, give me give me some insight, Anthony, to the last, uh, <laughs> the last let's go with five, six days as we talk it's, now. It's been... Yeah, I think manic is the word that comes to mind. It was a case of you, you, turn, you turn Twitter and everything on to sort of all the notifications to make sure you keep up to date and it just is constantly going off every few seconds for for a good solid couple of days it was just non-stop news it was non-stop updates of oh this is about to happen no, now this now it's this and everyone going crazy about who are they going to get rid of who are they going to bring in it, it was definitely manic and and you definitely get the impression from my point of view at least that this was o'brien's first time doing this because it was so last minute that I don't see a, an experienced GM having waited this long to sort all this out, but but that's just my uh, my view on it. But no, it's been it's been very up and down because fans initially, especially about the Clowney trade, everyone was up in arms about it. Everyone was furious about the trade. But then as soon as the sort as soon as the the Tunsil trade comes in, one sort of forgets about that and they sort of focus on that a bit more. So it's it's been it's been a weird one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I um. I liked Bill O'Brien's press conference a couple of days ago where he was talking about this was all the plan. Um, <laughs> and I was like, really? So your plan was to wait until after you'd made your roster cuts to make additional moves and quite significant ones? But He has, he has a habit of, let's just say, sugarcoating things in the press conferences. I, I know that I spoke to some guys down at ESPN in Houston and they said he's well known for just lying flat out lying and because he's been saying for the past few weeks for example he was saying Matt Khalil's our starter at left tackle that's it there's no he's there's no debate him. there and he's cut him um it, it, yeah he, he has a habit of, of definitely sugarcoating things 
yeah, I, I think Bill O'Brien for me is a coach that has just put himself at the, right at the top <laughs> of the hot list of uh, uh, coaches that are on the hot seat and uh, could be in potential trouble if, if this doesn't quite pan out because it screams of panic and desperation. And yeah, uh, you know, we may maybe have to start calling him Pinocchio with some of the things that he's <laughs> It's been a bit crazy. But so let's start to digest this then. Yeah. We've got, uh, we've got five trades that have happened. Four of them on the 31st of August, one just a little bit before. So um, talk, talk me through a little bit of them, what, what, what they were and uh, what's come about out of it. <laughs> well, we'll start off obviously with the, uh, the one that sort of kicked it all off, Duke Johnson coming in from the Browns, traditional fourth, potential third if he plays 10 games. Um, I think personally, especially now looking back with the Lamar Miller injury, I, I was pleased with that trade going into it. I'd seen him play in London and I loved what I saw from him then. Um, and I still love what I see from him now. Yes, he's coming back from a slight injury, but he's played every game since he's come into the league. He's he's incredibly durable. He's very good coming out the backfield as a receiver. He's a good pass blocker. I think that's an instant upgrade, to be honest. I've not been the biggest fan of Lamar Miller. Credit where credit's due, don't get me wrong. He's been the bell cow for this run game. I mean, they've relied far too heavily on him these last few years, and his body has had to pay for it, um, which is a shame to see because there is some talent there. But at the end of the day, I've not been the biggest fan of his. So I was really excited about the Duke Johnson addition. And I think a third to fourth is that's, that's better than you would have gotten for any of the backs coming out of this draft anyway. I thought this, this draft in particular was a bit thin, especially at the top end in terms of running backs. Um, I, w- I was not very impressed with the overall group. So I, I think that was a fantastic addition, that running back. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. Because, I mean, if you just give Deshaun Watson another, uh, another another receiving target, I mean, what more can you want? Absolutely. I mean, we want to see the best out of him. And us, especially with him, both with that and his pass blocking abilities as well, to give him a bit more time in the pocket. What more could you want from that? I mean, that that's fantastic as far as I'm concerned. So I was very pleased with that. Especially, like I mentioned, with the... Uh, Lamar Miller trade once uh, the Lamar Miller injury once that happened. I was at AT and T when that happened. And you knew the second he went down, the noise around the stadium, the way he went down, you could tell straight away it was something serious. So um, that was a shame to see him go down because, by all accounts, he was in very, very good shape. But no, I, I was very pleased with that with that trade in particular. I must admit. Yeah, I, I think it, it, it turns out to be inspired. But I think either way, he was having a role on the team. I think you know Lamar Miller is a. He's a solid running back. He's never going to inspire you to yeah. great things, but he he's always performed um, more than adequately. He he for me was a bit of a fantasy um, buy in some of the prices we were getting him in drafts, like eighth round, ninth round. Thinking, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely taking that because you know the volumes there. And then when Duke Johnson came in, exactly, um, he was still there and thinking, well, yeah, I, I think Johnson comes in. He's a third down back. He's a change of pace back in terms of. Uh, receiving out the back and um, maybe bringing something different. He'd be more involved when um, the Texans are behind in games, but given their schedule and given the talent of where they are, you wouldn't expect that to be too often. So uh, game script for me was key for Lamar Miller, thinking that he would get more volume. He goes down. Johnson comes in. I guess my only concern, and we'll get onto it in a minute, is, is he's never had that role in terms of volume, but then I guess no one has no. until they do it. So... Um, it will be interesting to see how it's handled, but for the price you paid, a fourth-round pick, it's going to be a third unless he gets injured. Um, there's no point in really saying it's a fourth now. It's going to be a third. Yeah, um, you play ten games. I think. Yeah, I think it's a it's a more than more than fair, more than worthwhile. So, don't think there was any real issues there. And then, um, then we've got the trade with uh, 
with the Seahawks. And this is the one where things started to go <laughs> a bit crazy. Um, so we traded. Yeah. So the trade was um, uh, Barcavius Mingo and Jacob Martin and a, third, um, and a third round pick coming to the Texans in exchange for, for JV and Clowney when, you know, they had this amazing offer from Miami just a few days previously. And Clowney says he doesn't want to go to Miami. Um, it just seems to me like this is a very... It's a pennies on the dollar yeah. kind of trade. It, it was a panic trade at the end of the day. And, and Pete Carroll took full advantage of the situation. He knew very well Texans were desperate to offload him. He knew that he could get him for next to nothing compared to his... And, and by all accounts, the Seahawks are more than willing to, if nothing else, lease him for the year because they needed that, that veteran edge rusher presence. They needed a bit more on the, on that on that edge they've got a good defense but they were a bit lackluster there so i think it's a great trade from the seahawks point of view they've had to get rid of next to nothing and and look who they brought in they brought in one of the top 10 easily one of the top 10 edge rushers in the nfl i mean it's a fantastic trade from their point of view from houston's point of view everyone was absolutely furious with o'brien and then social media was going crazy and everyone i spoke to was absolutely livid about the trade because at the end of the day it was only bill o'brien that really wanted him gone i mean as far as I could tell, every media individual, every fan, even the players, and from from what you could tell, they all still loved him. So I can't, I, I did, I don't know of anyone that really wanted Clowney gone. Yes, no. he hasn't quite turned into that that edge rusher presence that we'd expected in terms of getting after the QB and actually getting those sacks. But at the end of the day, he was such a disruptive presence and so athletic. You can't replace that very easily. That that's that's going to be really, really difficult to replace. And whilst I like, I think Mingo will be a, a more of a, a special teams addition than anything else. And Martin, second year player, I like what I saw from him from the first year. I think he has potential. He could he could become a good, solid addition. Him and Brennan Scarlett taking over Clowney's role there, or at linebacker in particular. They should be fine. It won't be the same, obviously, but they'll be all right. Um, but overall, I mean... It's a difficult one. On the one hand, I'm very happy about it because this frees up Whitney Merciless to play where he deserves to play. And I think this, as a result, his sack count is going to go back up this year. He's, he's really healthy. He's looked really good all offseason. Everyone's really optimistic about him. And I think we're going to see a lot more of that 2016 Merciless this year as opposed to what we've seen the last couple of years. So I'm looking forward to that. But at the same time, this this really does smack of desperation and a rookie GM for me, simply because they could have gone so much more for someone like Clowney. And he should have known to sort of mellow the situation out a bit, maybe get him back in, calm things down, sort the situation out, and then maybe trade him next year. Yeah, but, I, I, I don't really get this deal. And, and there's, there's two schools of thought of this, but I'll, I'll lead with what I think. And yeah, Mingo is going to be a special teams player. Fine. Martin... Second year player, you know, 10 tackles last year. Not really seen a lot. He was taken by the Seahawks, but he was in the sixth round. You know, he's a speculative player. Then you got the third round pick. So people go, okay, well, you got a third round pick. Now, if, if they just kept Clowney, let's say Clowney follows through on his threat of, I'm not playing on the tank. I'm going to throw away 17 million bucks and not play with you this season. You would have got the third round pick anyway. You just would have got it a year later. Yeah. So the, the pick is irrelevant. Like, okay, you get it a year earlier, but you're getting two bit part players at best for a player that I'm so, I'm just not convinced Clowney sits out 
16 games. I'm just not convinced. He might sit out four. He might sit out three. He might sit out six. I don't know. 70, when you put $17 million in front of somebody and say, that's what you can earn this year if you turn up. I don't know many people. People talk about Lev Bell and this whole Lev Bell fear of, of, of not playing. It's like, okay, but Lev Bell had earned a lot of money in the NFL already. He'd already been tagged. He'd already earned wages. Plus, you've got um, image rights deals, uh, sponsorship deals, ex- external businesses, etc. Clowney doesn't have that level of income. He's not earned anywhere near that kind of money. So, yeah, I, I didn't get the trade. I felt if you're in a win-now mode and some of the other moves that we're going to move on to suggest that, I would have kept him and just called his bluff and said, you're stuck here now. Play, don't play. We don't care. Well, this is one of the big problems with the Texans. Head coach being the sort of de facto GM as well at this point in time is, is O'Brien, he, he, he relies a lot on emotion. He, he, his decision-making is very much emotion-based. He gets, if you get in his bad books, you will not play. It's as simple as that. And Every indication that I've gotten from everyone down in Houston is that's what's happened with Clowney. From day one, the situation's been very rocky between the two. They've, there's been disagreements about when he should and shouldn't play with regards to injuries. There's been disagreements about um, sort of... I don't even have to phrase it because there hasn't been much. They have been they have been in agreement on by all accounts. It's just been a case of that O'Brien hasn't seen the workload out of him that he wants, perhaps the attitude out of him that he wants. I mean, you remember those worker B comments not too long ago. They've, they've come from somewhere in the organization. Most people have denied them. So I think everyone seems to think it must have come from O'Brien or somewhere around him. He didn't get the production out of him that I think he was expecting. And he doesn't get the attitude out of him, or at least in his mind, that he was expecting as well. He wants, I mean, if, if you really think about it, he wants... 11 JJs or 11 Whitney Mercilesses on that defense. He wants guys that that determined, that focused, will play through pain. And, and I don't think Clowney quite fits that model, and he's a bit more rebellious in that regard. He wants, like by all accounts, he wants to wait until he was a little bit healthier to actually come in that first season or second season, whenever it was. And that's, and that's the problem. As soon as you get in O'Brien's bad books, you pretty much stay there. Now, he's been saying throughout the whole offseason – we want him back. We want him back. He's a good guy. We want him back. He would say the same thing every single time he was asked about it. And then as it came towards the end, instantly it switched to, well, you're not necessarily going to get good trade value on every player, which was him, in my opinion, preparing everyone for the worst. It was him preparing everyone for, we're not going to get a good trade value back on him, but he is going. That's, that's how I read that comment. Um, and at the end of the day, it, it's done now. Do I think it was the right move? No. Does anyone else I know think it's the right move? Absolutely not. But we can't go back and change it now. And the only thing that I think would make it would have made it a bit better for Texans fans is if O'Brien had gone at the same time, because I've not seen many NFL coaches that are this uh, unliked in their community. No, but do you know what? He's someone you almost need in the NFL just as, a, <laughs> just as an entertainment factor, because yeah, he, he definitely brings the fireworks. So this trade gets announced and you think, okay, what are the Texans doing? There's no real yep. logic to what's going on. And then all of a sudden about, must have been about an hour later. They announced that they've traded for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. And the price they have paid is two first round picks, a second round pick, Julian Davenport, who was a pro bowler and a uh, all pro last year, and uh, Johnson Badamosi. And I, I saw this trade and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what is it's, this? It's a really tough one, this. It's a really difficult one to just, I mean, on the one hand, you look at it and you go, dear Lord. I mean, he traded away a treasure trove. It was a, an arm, a kidney, a leg, a, or whatever. It was ridiculous. 
But at the same time, it's an instant upgrade for that offense. They, they've sorted out one position that they've needed to sort out since Dwayne Brown left since in 17. They needed a left tackle desperately. They needed someone to build around on that offensive line. Because let's be honest, Nick Martin hasn't lived up to expectations. Sharping and Howard are still rookies. And then you've got Chantra Henderson on the right. I mean, he, he, I'm not convinced by him, to be perfectly honest. Okay. It's 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 a it's a difficult one because yes they gave away a heck of a lot. I mean the Badamosi and Davenport I don't really mind. Bad, Badamosi was a good special teams player, but in my opinion a poor cornerback. Mm. Davenport doesn't deserve to be on an NFL roster as far as I'm concerned. He was appalling last year. Um, really? It, Julian oh. da- Davenport was horrendous. I think he was second in the league in terms of penalties allowed. Um, the tech. I mean that o- that O line in total had 62 sacks last year. I mean he had to go. He was atrocious but I feel kind of bad for him because he was he was thrown in there too soon they weren't expecting to start him straight away when he came in as a rookie but because of the Dwayne Brown situation they had no real choice it was there was a sort of revolving door there on the left hand side of that line when when he left and Davenport was sort of subject to that and you got to feel a bit bad for him because they threw him in a bit too early when he just wasn't ready and it's clearly knocked his confidence but he was he was appalling last year See, he I'm, was, I'm, I'm in the minority here then because I thought he played pretty well on what was arguably the worst line in football. Um, oh yeah, there's no it, arguing about it. It was the worst line in football, let's be honest. Yeah, and, and I think what he did is, yeah, I mean, he allowed 12 sacks. He, you know, there were times he was outgunned, but he was outgunned two on one because the, the rest of the line just didn't pick up the men. And this is why I have a problem with this trend. I think if you, if you pay that price for a left tackle, Mm-hmm. and you've improved your line across the line. So you're sitting there and you're looking at, you know, you've improved guard, you've improved right tackle, you, you've got that foundation, you think, right, we're just missing that, that real key left tackle piece. That is it's the most important position on the line for, for the passing game, which is going to be heavily used this year. That's the one spot that we need to go and get in order to be right up there. So if it's going to cost us two firsts and a second to get a potential top five left tackle in the league, if he continues his development, the path he's going, I'm okay with that. When you haven't upgraded the rest of the line at all, <laughs> it's the same problem. Laramie Tunsil is going to, he might not concede 12 sacks, but he's going to concede seven or eight. You haven't, you haven't fixed the problem. All you've done is you've plugged it with a slightly bigger plug. Um, See, I'm, I'm slightly more optimistic, to be perfectly honest. Titus Howard, I've really liked what I've seen from him at left guard. I really do. I mean, I don't think he'll stay there forever. He'll be there for a season or two at most before they move him out to right tackle at this rate. But when he's playing at left guard, not a left tackle, because he looks, again, he looked like a rookie there. He looked vulnerable. A left yeah. guard, he looked perfectly comfortable. And the same could be said for Max Sharping at the right. Yes, he had a poor game against the Cowboys. But other than that, Sharping's been pretty consistent at right guard, to be honest. Um, and I really, and I know I'm not in the minority here when I say that Zach Fulton looked so much better than Nick Martin at center. I'm, I'm desperately hoping that, that O'Brien comes to his senses and puts Fulton back in at center at some point, because I really do think he looked good. And, and I'm convinced that both the rookies could have a decent year at guard. I do think they've improved the rest of the line. Henderson, again, I'm not too sure about. We only saw him once last year, briefly before he went down that injury in the Patriots game week one. We don't really know too much of what to expect from him. We haven't seen a huge amount of him this season that is either positive or negative. It's sort of been, meh, he does a job. But they've got Roderick Johnston as well, who seems to be coming through quite nicely. He could move to right tackle if needed. And again, Titus Howard, they could put in a right tackle, put Kelamente back in at left guard. They've got some options now, which is something they didn't really have last year. I'm, I'm 
cautiously optimistic about this line. I think this is going to be the big test for offensive line coach Mike Devlin. Now that he's actually got some of the pieces, can he prove that he is, a, to be honest, a competent offensive line coach? Because so far, the only player you can say he's developed is Roderick Johnson out of the, the what, three or four years he's been here. Mm. He hasn't really developed anyone apart from him. So now that he's got some more quality pieces, can he put it all together? But I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that at the very least, we won't concede 62 sacks again this year. No, but I think it needs to move on significantly. I think, listen, you're not going to turn that line into a top 16 line. But if you no. get it around 20, 22nd uh, ranked, I think it might be good enough. But yeah, I mean, we haven't even talked about Kenny Stills being in here. He was a bit of a, <laughs> he was a, bit of a throw in. Um, Miami wanted to get rid of him. He, he'd be yep. very vocal about the owners. Now, I was speaking to, to Lee. Lee's very clued on to the Dolphins. He's our website guy. And he... Um, he said that he, you know, he, he knows a few sort of beat writers and there was reported that the, the Stills deal was done anyway. So if the, the tons, because they'd come, obviously come in for Clowney, the offer was far better than what you got. Clowney went, no way, I'm not going. See you later. <laughs> Which if I'm the Texans, I mean, like, maybe Miami still pull out, but I mean, the Texans must've been like pulling their hair out of that. Yeah. And then you, then, you know, They've, they're still talking. They've agreed Stills. I think Stills was a fourth round pick. So had the Tunsil deal not developed the way it had done, it was looking like Stills for a fourth round pick. Bill O'Brien wanted him anyway. It was going to be a cheap price. And they were going to just do that deal. Um, regardless, he's someone that's going to give you a bit of insurance towards Kati and, and Will Fuller, which is not a bad thing because those two really do struggle to play 16 games on the field. So yeah. Um, I didn't mind the addition of that in this trade. I think it adds a bit more value, but yeah. It was good. I, I, like, I liked the addition of Stills, to be perfectly honest. I, I think I've liked what I've seen from his first few years. Yes, I know his production's gone down a little bit over the past year or two, but he's a very quick guy. He's a good route runner. And I, and I think he's exactly what this receiving core needed because at the end of the day, Behind Fuller, Hopkins, and QT, there was no certainty whatsoever about who was going to make the squad. We knew DeAndre Carter would, but more as a returner than a, than a receiver. He's done a decent job in the slot over the preseason when he was available. But again, he's had some injury problems. They needed more depth at receiver. Last year, it got to a point where, where special teamer and, and quarterback Joe Webb was having to play at wide receiver because they were so thin at the position. It got ridiculous. They needed more quality options. Now, Vincent Smith did a decent job as a rookie last year for our limestone. He was fine, but again, he wasn't spectacular. His, his hands weren't great. And this preseason, he was a bit disappointing, if I'm honest. Everyone was expecting him to make a jump this year, and it didn't really happen. There were a couple of undrafted rookies, Johnny Dixon and, uh, and Tyron Johnson. They brought in. Now, Johnson looked pretty good. Dixon didn't do a great deal. They expected perhaps Dick, uh, um, Johnson to make the squad. He didn't. He's, he's on the practice squad, I believe. Um, it, it's... It's a tough one because other than those those four initial receivers, there just wasn't much there. They needed, and especially well, like you mentioned, with, with Fuller's injury history and QT as well. I mean, he had no injuries at all throughout Texas Tech. But all of a sudden, his hamstring played up all last year. And then this offseason, again, he's had an injury problem. Is this going to become a more persistent issue? We don't know. We hope not because he's a very talented player. But they needed more reassurance that they've got depth at that position and I'm convinced that Kenny Stills coming in if especially if Fuller goes down again this year Kenny Stills could end up being that wide receiver too come next year 
Yeah, I, I, I got no doubt. I, I'd go as far as say Kenny Stills is the best wide receiver four in the league. I'd like, agree with that. I'd I, agree I can't with that. I think of anyone who has got a roster that depth of of four top guys. You would have said Tampa maybe last year, but having Sean Jackson and Humphreys go. But I, I can't think of a better wide receiver four in the league. And I think he's someone that will get games. I think he will get a significant amount of playing time. The, the only problem with trading for him now is the it will take him time to get up and running. I, I don't expect him to have... A, a, a productive season from a fantasy perspective. No. He, he's a guy you're going to rely on to make flash plays and splash plays and yeah. and make a big play when it matters. Um, and he's the sort of guy I can see at the end of the season putting up 400, 500 yards in receiving, but he's made some huge plays to, yeah, but move, that's, the, and that, to move the chains. And that's kind of what you need. Yeah, and exactly. That's all they really need from him, especially if Fuller can stay healthy in particular. They haven't really got too much to worry about. Carter's, like I mentioned, as long as he stays healthy, he's looked pretty good in the slot. He's probably going to be starting week one over QT because we don't know for certain yet how fit QT is. Fuller is going to be starting week week one. He looks perfectly fine. Um, so to, they all they need from him is the occasional splashy play. All they need from him is some reassurance. Now, if he needs to come in week two because Fuller's gone down for the year again, that might be a bit more tricky and they might have to really fast track his development in that system. But at the end of the day, at this point in time, all they need from him is to be a wide receiver four. And I really like the depth they've got that position. If you think about it, Deshaun Watson's now got Hopkins, QT, Fuller, Stills, Carter, and Duke Johnson all to target in the pass game, as well as that tight end group, which is a pretty talented group they've got this year. He's got so many targets that especially with his ability in the pocket and the fact he's got new quarterback coach, Carl Smith from the Seahawks, who coached up um, Russell Wilson the last few years. The fact they've got him in as well to help his development, help him especially, especially as, a, as a mobile quarterback. I'm really optimistic about what this offense can do this year because he has so many weapons and the offensive line, even if it's just marginally better, that's all it needs to be because his, with his ability on the ground, he can make up for the rest of that. Especially if he's a bit more careful with the ball this year, which I'm hoping Carl Smith will will sort of nail into him. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think it's it's worth considering it is all on that offensive line. It's going to be an all or nothing situation, but you can't not the addition of Stills. I think he adds uh, he adds something to that uh, core, which was already deep and uh, expect him to to make plays this year. So then we're going to move on to a trade, which I wasn't even aware happened. <laughs> Genuinely, genuinely didn't even hear about this. So you traded for um, a Super Bowl winner. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's pick him up. That's Super true. Super Bowl winning cornerback Keon Crossan uh, from, yes. from the New England Patriots for a sixth round pick. This guy was a seventh round pick out of Western Carolina, which I didn't realize was a school, um, <laughs> in 2018. So the Patriots get um, an upgrade on their pick. Um, you get a Super Bowl winning cornerback who I think is more of a special teams player. I don't think he is. He is, yeah. Um, but that, I mean, that, to be honest, I didn't have any issues with that trade at all. He looked decent last year. He's a very good special teamer. He's had a very good preseason. Um, and they needed a replacement for Badamosi at cornerback. Who, but the good thing is, from my point of view, he's going to add the same that Badamosi will in terms of special teams ability, but he's doing it for a heck of a lot less money because Badamosi has been the highest, special te- highest paid special teams player in the NFL. So essentially what they're doing here is they're replacing a like-for-like with a slightly cheaper option. So I had absolutely no issues with that whatsoever. No. The Texans, again, at cornerback, he may end up playing a bit of a cornerback because their, their cornerback situation is still very shaky. But he is primarily going to be a special teams player. Yeah, absolutely. But 
uh, it, it makes sense when you look at Badamosi going. They've they've cl- they clearly had it in the pipeline. I think all of this kind of arranged because yeah. these all got announced pretty quickly. So it's not like they just picked up the phone and said, <laughs> "Give us Cross and sixth round pick." Cheers, thanks very much. Put the paperwork through. Like it clearly there was all exactly. these things have been in the pipeline for the last sort of three or four days and, and all culminated together. So it, once one hit a button, it started like a, a chain reaction. Um, and then we come to the last trade of the weekend, which was uh, Carlos Hyde uh, coming in. Uh, for Martinez Rankin, a tackle, straight player swap, no picks. Um, I mean, I don't think anyone on the surface of this can say that this was a bad trade at all, given the situation and losing Lamar Miller. Um, no, I will admit I was slightly disappointed, and I know I wasn't the only one. Martinez Rankin was someone that myself and quite a few others had pegged to break out this year, but for some reason O'Brien had really frozen him out of the lineup. We don't know why but he's hardly played at all this preseason. And, and despite the fact that he has real potential as a guard, we're, we're really unsure as to why. There's no idea why. And I'm, I'm glad he's gone to the Chiefs in that he'll actually get game time there and we might actually get to see the player that he could be there. So I was slightly disappointed to see him go. But at the end of the day, a straight player for player for someone like Carlos Hyde. I mean, I know he had a bad year last year, but he did have two straight 900-plus yard, rushing yard seasons the two years before. He is a proven back. He's a good downhill runner. He's durable. That's something the Texans needed. They, they obviously got rid of Alfred Blue to the Jags this offseason, especially when they got rid of Dante Foreman and then lost to Marmilla. They needed another back desperately. They only really had undrafted rookie free agents. I mean, it's just, it was not a strong group at all, especially once Miller went down. Um, it's just funny that if you look, go back to, to the very beginning of, of preseason, that, that running back room was Lamar Miller as starter, Dante Foreman as the backup, who we're all expecting to make a jump this year. And then you got backups sort of Buddy Howe uh, and a couple other, Josh Ferguson, for example, and a couple others. It was Samara Crockett. And, yeah, exactly. Uh, Especially once Crockett and Higdon came in, we thought, okay, that's their running back room pretty much sorted. One of them will make the roster as the third back. Buddy Howe will be a special teamer. All done, no problem. And then come the end of preseason, it's entirely different. Dante Foreman's gone to the Colts. He's now out for the year with a torn peck. Um, Lamar Miller's out for the year with a torn ACL. It was a really nasty knee injury, that. And neither Higdon nor Crockett made the roster. I know Higdon's on special teams, but neither of them made the 53-man roster. The only person, that, the, the only person people sorry, that did were Buddy Howe, which was a slightly surprise to me by the end of preseason. I thought by then they would cut him. Um, but he's just a special teamer. He's not really going to play on offense. And then Taiwan Jones, which to me was a big surprise. Huge. It, I yeah, never it, saw that coming. Well, that's the thing. O'Brien is so, so big on versatility. If you're not a starter, you need to be a good special teams player and you need to be versatile. And that's exactly what he is. He may not be a particularly productive running back, but he's looked decent this offseason at the position. O'Brien's been quite keen on him since day one. I think primarily because of his special teams ability, because he, he lords that in his players. If you're not a starter, you have to be productive on special teams. Otherwise, there's the door. It's as simple as that. Uh, and I think that's why Jones made the team, just because of that. He'll be a third down back if needed. Uh, I can't see him having too many carries this year. I think it's primarily going to be Duke Johnson and Carlos Hyde, despite the fact that they are both very new in this system. But Yeah, um, I was, again, I, I was a little surprised by Crockett. I thought Crockett would make the roster. I so did he I. had um, a, a pretty good preseason, as good as you could have. And I felt he was someone who was only getting better. And, yeah. you know, he's now in Oakland, I believe. Uh, I think Oakland picked him up. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and, yeah, I, I feel it's a bit of a shame. I think he's someone who could have could have added something to the roster. But, you know, that's the great thing with Bill O'Brien. You don't necessarily have to be a, 
you know, great players don't make rosters. You've just got to be someone who um, clearly scratches his back and um, gets him no. some uh, Chick-fil-A at lunch and, Pretty much. Uh, and probably gives him some rides to work and whatever it is. I don't, I don't know what you've got to do to be on the right side of... Honestly, I have life. no idea. No one seems to have figured it out yet, apart from the likes of JJ Watt, for example. But it's funny. I think the reason why he didn't make the roster is ultimately because of a special teams play, because he didn't have a huge... He didn't make a huge contribution to special teams. He wasn't as experienced, I don't believe, as the likes of Grant Higdon on special teams. Yeah, but you can Higdon, put him on the practice squad and take oh, him no, here I, and just see how yeah, he yeah. yeah. That's what I mean. That's what they've done with Higdon, and it was a very close call between the two of them all preseason. They really, it was a battle between the two of them for that last spot, especially towards the end of camp. They both had bright spots. I can see why they kept Higdon. I'm still surprised they didn't keep Crockett because I know there were a lot of reports coming out early on, in particular, that they, people really liked his size, his build, his 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 ability in general as as a rusher, and they thought he had the proper NFL frame that you'd need. And Crockett could be a real surprise, but. Am I disappointed? Yes. Am I overly surprised? I think with O'Brien, you, you can't. Nothing should surprise you anymore. <laughs> no. And so now what we've got is we've got a roster, some a whole new running back room. <laughs> yeah. Which um, you know you've got one guy who's well, one or two guys who've been there all season or off season but haven't had any time. Um, you've got three fifths of a new offensive line um, that are well, probably po- gonna, possibly possibly four fifths. Yeah, probably four fifths of an offensive line. Um, you've lost, you know, one of your one-two punch in the, in uh, in your pass rush, yeah. and have made little to no real additions to that secondary at all. <laughs> <laughs> Which, having watched the team last season with terrible defensive backs, oh dear lord, Charisse, it's no right. fun. Oh. Watching, watching, watching Kayvon Webster briefly, and then Sharice Wright, and oh dear lord, it was appalling. Uh, it's going to be open season. There's going to be a lot of guys scoring very wide open touchdowns. It this is. Season, but you're going to have to just Painful. play from the front and, and stay ahead. But let's, let's get on to the fantasy side quickly because we've got about sort of five or so minutes left. Um, we know who the start is going to be at quarterback. We know it's going to be Deshaun Watson. The, no one's going to challenge him for that role. He's, no. he's up there and being potentially the candidate to be the quarterback one overall this season. Depends on that offensive line. He cannot eat. 62 sacks again this year because he's going to go down so um we're pretty confident he's going to have a good season regardless it's just about keeping him fit running back uh, to get your take on this do we think johnson is the main guy this season do we think he's going to get the opportunity do we think hyde can challenge for this at any point or is hyde just the no, for me, he is the complimentary back at this point in time. Johnson will be the starter. They've liked what they've seen from him so far. They like his attitude. Um, I think he's going to be a quick fit in this system, and they're going to use him very heavily. Yeah, I, I agree. Wide receiver seems to be pretty set. So we know Hopkins, yes. is, he just doesn't drop catches. He's <laughs> arguably, I mean, he's in the 99 club in Madden. He's arguably the best wide receiver in, in the NFL. And yeah. other teams in, in Green Bay and Atlanta will have an argument with you. But you, you can't argue he's in the conversation, regardless how you feel. I think he's the best wide receiver in the game. So um, you've got a solid two and three in Fuller and Kuti, but their yeah. concerns to durability we've talked about. We've got Sills in there now. I, I think they're all worth some form of ownership in their own different ways. I think Fuller, if he fit, if he's fit, he's a first round talent. He's a first round grade for me. I think he's someone that you can pick up in sort of the eighth round of draft. Or we, people were picking him up in the eighth, ninth, tenth round of drafts, that sort of realm. And I think he outperforms his ADP if he plays 16 games. It's just 
how many games does he play? Does he play six? Does he play 10? Does he play 12? Does he play 14? We don't know. And that's going to always be the big question with, with Fuller. And QT is almost the same. Similar sort of rounds. ADP slightly behind Fuller. But someone who is again, got all the talent. It's just, again, durability with, with those. Exactly. And that's, and that's the thing with the two of them in particular. If they can stay on the field... You just look at their numbers last year. They are so, so productive, especially Fuller. I mean, he's just so consistent. His hands have got so much better since he was a rookie. It's, it, if they can stay on the field, they are going to be excellent pickups. If not, keep an eye out for Kenny Stills and keep an eye out for DeAndre Carter. DeAndre Carter in particular, keep an eye out for him as a slot receiver, possibly. It's just in the waiver wire, should QT or someone like that go down. Good. Good advice there. So let's talk about tight end because I'll be honest with you, <laughs> I, I, I've, well, struggled, what, I've struggled with this because I don't think I've ever seen a roster with so many injured tight ends um, to yeah. a point now where I believe Darren Fells is the starter but I'm not confident in <laughs> it's a difficult one that tight end group is almost entirely different from last season obviously Ryan Griffin is gone I think when he punched that window in uh, Nashville after Carly Waring was, was drafted I think that was goodbye to him pretty much yeah. um, that tight end group apart from Jordan Akins and, and Jordan Thomas is entirely different now. Now, Thomas is on IR. He's just been moved there. He fractured a rib against the Rams. So he's out until at least probably week eight. Um, and plus, he's looked a bit shaky this preseason. He's had various injuries. When he has played, he's looked very good. But I don't see him doing too much this year. Kahale Waring, he's been in concussion protocol for quite a while now. He had an injury um, early on in camp as well. So the best thing for him, in my opinion, would be simply to redshirt this year, mm-hmm. get him coached up, and get him ready for next year. So that tight end group, as it looks now, you've got Darren Fells, Jordan Akins, Jarrell Adams, who's had a very good preseason, and Logan Paulson, former Falcon, who signed about two or three days ago now. It's a difficult one to predict. Fells, Fells and Paulson, for me, are mainly pass blockers. Mm. Paulson, in particular, I don't think it's going to be used much in the receiving game. I think he's primarily going to be a blocker, and he's because he's a good blocker. And at the end of the day, that's been O'Brien's sort of mantra this offseason has been building as much of a wall as he can. And you can question how he did that. But at the end of the day, Johnson's a decent blocker. Fells is a decent blocker and Paulson's a decent blocker. So it's just more bodies there. Fells has looked, he, again, I think he was brought in as a blocker, but he's looked surprisingly good in the past game. He's made some really nice receptions this preseason. So I would keep an eye out for him early on. Um, but I think that starting gig, depending on what you want, if you want more of a blocker or if you want more of a receiver, if you want more of a receiver, look at Jordan Aikens. They, they're still very optimistic about him. They can line him up at H-back if needed. He's quite a versatile guy. Um, he's, he's more of a deep threat than Jordan Thomas was. Jordan Thomas was more of sort of a red zone, shorter down, uh, tight end. Um, but yeah, I'd def- definitely say keep an eye out for Aikens in, in fantasy. See, at this point in time, my advice to anyone would be to just leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> Aikens, Aikens isn't going to go anywhere. Like, I don't think anyone's going to reach out. I mean, maybe after this no, interview, they no. might go, I'm going to pick him up. <laughs> um, I, I just think right now there's better options on, on the wire. I'd be looking at people like Darren. I would Moore. agree. I'd look at Jeff Swain. Yeah. I'd look at uh, Mike Gazicki. I just think they're, they're players that are going to have some form of locked-in volume. And I think this is just a wait and see. And I think uh, Aikens is, is the sort of player that if he has a really good week one, then go get him. Um, exactly. I would give it a week on. or two. Yeah, I would. Because I, I just think you could take him and I think he's he's someone that you're going to drop almost immediately. And I just think there's a few better options out there. But tight end is, is this bottleneck where week one, week two, people just kind of stick with what they got and assess. Then week three, four, five, they start 
assessing but don't make a lot of movements. And it's around about week six that people start buying in. And the Titan market on, on waivers goes from quite thick to really, really thin because then the buy yep. weeks start to kick in. So I would be – if Aikens is a really no, absolutely. good Absolutely. Yeah, definitely for the Texans. Exactly. Yeah, keep an eye out for the first couple of weeks, but don't don't bother signing him if, if you need to do a draft anytime soon. I wouldn't bother because we just don't know at this point in time. It's such a new room. We really don't know what to expect. No, definitely. Well, look, this has been really helpful for me to to understand what's going on. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest. I don't think I'm any clearer in what the Texans are this season. Because to be honest, so no one is. No one is. <laughs> but it's great to it's great to do these deep dives and just get a bit more. It, it, it's it's fun because they're, they're a team that are going to be very much in the media now with all these trades. And I, it's good to give some insight to other positions other than just fantasy. And, and now when you watch the Texans, um, and also they're coming here in London, so those going to the games now have yes. got some names that they can start to, to keep an eye out for. But really appreciate this. Why don't you tell everyone where uh, they can find you other than uh, Dave Damashak's back pocket? <laughs> <laughs> find me on Twitter at ARWoodNFL. Uh, everything I write is on Texans where you are today, obviously, or the touchdown. Um, I'm also on WEI Network every Tuesday and Thursday reporting on the NFL. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me on again. Oh, mate, it's a pleasure. And yet, so the touchdown, we, we've talked about it, we write about it, so Stocks and I take care of the fantasy element of that. Um, you're obviously writing content about the Texans, so uh, in UK portal for NFL content, um, just trying to get people to, to re-subscribe to content on there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it, it's great to have. And then any other additional resources... You know, if it, you know, we've obviously got our website for our rankings. So good luck to all of you playing week one. Uh, enjoy football tonight. Enjoy football. A red zone on uh, podcast favourite Scott Hansen on Sunday. We will be back next week, uh, hopefully Monday, with some waiver wires for week two uh, and celebrating some potential wins coming our way. But until next week, Rush Nation. And the kick is... HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.